Hello and welcome to Truth Talks, brought to you by South African author, theologian and church leader, Dr. Christopher Pepler. Hello. You know, from time to time, some big name pastor that we see on TV or whose blogs we listen to and so on, whose podcasts, says something that smacks at maybe it's heresy. And it doesn't take long before a whole bunch of teachers rush to denounce him as a false prophet and write articles and video casts and all sorts of things. Even at a local church level, some local, some preacher says something in, let's say, a sermon that offends somebody else's entrenched doctrine. And it wouldn't surprise me if on the Monday he receives a fairly pithy email. And if he doesn't get the email, there's a good chance that at the cell group, the fellowship group, or the Bible study, whatever they call it, that uh, there'll be a rant or two about, oh, that terrible doctrine that pastor taught us on Sunday. Now, here's the thing. The way in which this so-called expose of, of wrongness, of wrong doctrine, the way it's phrased uh, or the way it's delivered says a hang of a lot about the heart and, in fact, the doctrine of the self-appointed defender of the faith. Sometimes maybe it says even more about the person making the claims than the one who is accused of the heretical statements. There's a, a, a recent case in point. Andy Stanley is the pastor of North Point Megachurch in the United States of America. And he's often in the press because of saying radical things. Now, well, again, he's in the spotlight. So he made um, the unfortunate, I think, claim that Christians need to be unhitched from the Old Testament. Now, what the little I've heard and read about it, it does appear a highly questionable thesis that he's delivering. But I don't intend to write about that. I don't intend to speak about that today. I'd rather tell you why I'm not prepared to speak about why I think it's heretical statements or unwise statements or whatever. You see, I need to first check five essential boxes before I even think about rushing to print or to sermonizing or to podcasting about a particular individual or his doctrine. So I'm help, hoping that what I have to say today will be helpful in uh, judging ourselves and how we should go about exposing truth where we feel it's necessary, and that it will be quite important for all of us to grapple with these things, not just teachers or theologians or leaders. Now, the five boxes, questions really, that I think need to be answered before we can validly launch out and make bold criticisms is as follows. Here's the list. Firstly, just how important is the perceived problem? Second, what is my circle of influence? And I'll explain each of these in turn in a moment. Three, do I really understand what that person is actually saying? Four, can I reasonably discern his heart attitude and what motivates him? And lastly, what's my heart attitude like concerning this? in this matter. Right, the first question, just how important is the perceived problem? Well, you know, the entire Bible is inspired, 
but clearly not all parts of it of equal importance. I'll say that again. The entire Bible is inspired, but not all parts are of equal importance. Now, if I was listened to by tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of people through these podcasts, I would almost sure to be raising the eyebrows of a whole bunch of people just with that statement. So let me explain what I mean. John 3.16, probably the most well-known verse in all the scripture. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Really important. Now, I just picked a random text that had a uh, 3.16 in the chapter. So I've picked Joshua chapter 3, verse 16. So Joshua chapter 3, verse 16 reads, The water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam, etc., etc. Well, you know, factually and historically relevant, and it has some background, etc., but you can't rank it with John 3.16. The one is of vital importance. The other is not so important, yet both are part of the inspired scripture. (laughs) <laughs> I could almost hear Andy Stanley, if he were listening to this, which I'm sure he's not, he would say, well, there you go, there you see, this Old Testament that you've just quoted is clearly not relevant and we should unhitch ourselves from it. No, that's not what I'm saying, so be with me. You see, Jesus said this, he said, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen, will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. He said that in Matthew 5.18. Yet, and here's the thing, when a teacher of the law asked him what commandment was the most important, he didn't hesitate at all to declare that love for God and love for others outranked all the other commandments. And you'll find that in Mark chapter 12, verses 28 to 31. Let me just read it to you. Uh, starting from verse 9, 29, he says, The most important one, answered Jesus, is this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is this, Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. So the Lord Jesus Christ himself without casting any aspersions on other parts of the law, clearly indicated that there's parts of the law which is more important than other parts of the law. You see, all Christian doctrine is important, but some teachings are clearly more important than others. So, before I call somebody out or presume to rebuke him or her, then I must surely need to be sure in my own mind that the problem that I'm perceiving with what they're teaching is important enough to justify my actions. Is it important enough? Sadly, all too often the the most vehement and vociferous denouncements concern relatively peripheral doctrines. seems to me that a lot of people get highly exercised about things which they really shouldn't be getting highly exercised about. And again, unfortunately, that when people get very verbal about the the minors, they they tend to expose their own narrow grasp of the full biblical revelation.
second question is what is my circle of influence okay so we all have a circle of people who give some kind of credence and credibility to what we say and we often have a circle of folk to whom we are obligated to to warn and correct examples local church elders have a biblical responsibility to protect their people in ephesians sorry in Acts chapter 20, verses 27 to 30, uh, Paul was addressing the Ephesian elders for the last time. And it's worth listening to what he said. He said, For I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So he's not telling them that they need to spend a lot of time denouncing the savage wolves they hear in other parts of the world, for instance, but that they actually need to make sure that their sheep, their local flock, are properly protected. So, local church elders... I don't think unless there's a specific and, and, and really clear directive from the Holy Spirit, I don't think that they have a mandate to take on perceived aberrant teachings in the wider church. You see, our circle of influence is also our circle of responsibility. So a father in a home, his circle consists of his close family, a local church leader circle, the committed membership of the church and so on. So unless I am in some kind of a direct accountability relationship with some internationally known teacher, then I don't believe that I have the mandate to rebuke or correct him, publicly particularly. However, and here's the, here's the big thing, if his or her teaching is confusing the people within my circle of responsibility, then I do have an obligation to them to help them to recognize the error. So, if Andy Stanley was very influential in the particular group of people that I preach to regularly, then I would have an obligation to ensure that what they were hearing was put into the correct biblical perspective. But I would still try and avoid criticizing the man himself if I possibly could. I'd rather focus on what his teaching is that is biblically offensive. So, I'll go on to my next question. Do I really understand what the person is actually saying? You know, it often surprises and it definitely distresses me when people base their criticisms on second-hand information or out-of-context selections from someone's work. So they, they've heard Andy Stanley said this and they rushed to print. Or they will just take some things that he said, lift them out of the context in which they are said, and make that the target of their wrath. So listen, if it's sufficiently important to expose an error, then it is important enough to research that error. If it is sufficiently important to expose the error of something said or written, then it's important enough to properly research what is said or written. 
Is this person actually teaching what at first blush he appears to be teaching? What does the full context of his sermon or book or whatever reveal concerning his specific observations in the case in point? So if I want to write a, a critique about Andy Stanley's, what he says about unhitching us from the Old Testament, then I need to understand his line of thought properly in the sermon or article itself. And I need to have at least a fair idea of his general position before I can wade in there. Okay. The fourth question is, can I reasonably discern his heart attitude and his motivation? You know, Jesus knew all men. He did not need man's testimony about man because he knew what was in man. <laughs> but we, on the other hand, we really know what motivates a person. We, we don't know what his heart attitude is. Unless we have some kind of interaction with him. We can enter into some form of dialogue where we can actually probe and, and, and talk and say, you know, what are you, what, why are you saying this? You know, what's getting up your nose so that, you, that you're dealing with this? What is it? So if I criticize a particular teaching, just the teaching itself, okay, I probably don't need to interact directly with the one who's promoting the teaching, unless I need some additional clarification. But certainly, if I criticize the teacher himself or herself, then surely I need to at least make a genuine effort to interact with that person. So again, going back to Andy Stanley, I don't know what his motivation is in teaching what it is in this particular case. I haven't read enough to understand what he even really means by unhitching us from the Old Testament. So, at this point at least, I can't make judgments concerning his teaching, let alone his heart attitude. What's motivating him? Why is he saying these things? Is he being motivated by, by what particular thing? Where's his heart in this matter? I don't know. So I'll best be quiet. If I don't have the right to evaluate his intentions or motives, then it's possibly because I have not made the effort to read him correctly. And I need to do that. Lastly, what is my heart condition like in this matter? Ephesians 4.15, one of the most misquoted scriptures in the Bible says, speaking the truth in love. Right, this means speaking the truth motivated by love and doing it in a loving manner. So before exposing a perceived false teacher or his teaching, I, I need to check my own heart and motivation. Am I motivated by a real love for, for both the person that I'm seeking to expose and certainly the people to whom I believe I really have an obligation to expose this? Because if my motivation is to demonstrate my own imagined theological brilliance or to promote my own narrow sectarian bias, then I'd just best say nothing at all, right? And if I'm secretly thrilled to be able to sock it to him, uh, then I'd best put a sock in it myself. When we expose something or someone, then why and how we do it 
exposes ourselves. Daddy. Hi there. It's so nice to be able to speak to you about these things, as I've said before, especially after you've been sick. I'm glad you're well again. Yeah, thanks. I've had almost a week of wrestling with this jolly gastric flu. Yeah. But I'm feeling fine. The oh, only point good. is my voice, funnily enough, sounds like a 93-year-old. But oh. other, than, other than that... <laughs> Everything's grand for a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and... You know, what's wrong with being 93 anyway? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. 93 is the new 73, they say. Um, we are talking about the post from last week, which is exposing ourselves in public. Right. And that is basically you responding, well, you're trying to respond to people who have been asking you questions about recent events which have been happening. Okay. I wanted to ask you something that often bothers me when... I not so much expose people, but I, I, I think sort of judgy thoughts about them is that when I recognize something in someone else I don't like, then I've heard said that it's something I don't like in myself. And I have okay. found that. So now, are you not sometimes secretly worried that we sometimes expose issues about other people that we are worried about we do ourselves? Okay, look, I think there's some validity in that when it comes to attitudes and behaviors. So often often the things that we criticize in others when things we see them doing or what we think their attitude is might might have some reflection on our own. You know, it might be a sort of a mirror on our own. But uh, what I'm dealing with really in, in, in this whole article, this whole talk, is theological matter. So mm. when you're dealing with doctrines, statements of so-called fact belief statements and so on. So I'm pretty sure as to what I believe and I'm pretty sure that the people that I might interact with are okay. pretty sure about what they believe. So I don't think the one reflects the other. Okay. It's just it's just how I deal with them will reflect something about my attitudes, for sure. <laughs> yeah. You, you say that before we even think about it, we must ask five preliminary questions before we even right. think about sort of exposing someone or right. anything of that nature and um, they are how important is the problem, what is your circle of influence, do you really understand what the person is saying and then can you can I reasonably discern his heart attitude and motivation and what is my heart condition in this matter and right. I just wanted to touch on two of those things that sort of hit me okay um, at which is the the first and the fourth one, which is just how important is the perceived problem? Mm-hmm. Now, how do we know how important <laughs> this perceived problem is? Is it how many people it affects? How many people are asking us about it? I don't understand what your scale is on this or... You know, does it is a difference between someone going to heaven or hell? Is that how we perceive it? You know. Uh, okay, all right. So, in the Christian faith, there are some things that, for me, uh, and for for most evangelicals, for instance, that are non-negotiables. Mm. So, the inspiration of Scripture is a non-negotiable. Mm. The deity of Jesus Christ is a non-negotiable. Things mm. of that nature. So those are the biggies, you know, like in, in wildlife, we have the big five. Yeah. You know, in theology, I don't think it's five. Maybe it's seven or whatever it is, but the... Oh, theology is probably 17. <laughs> well, <laughs> funnily enough, when you really 
think it through, it, it comes down to a relatively short list. Mm. Often people call this their statement of faith. Yes, okay, yeah. So statements of faith are, are relatively short. Yeah. So these are the things which they're then saying when they put out a statement of faith, these are the things that are of cardinal importance to us. Mm. So the real issue is, you know, make sure that we're dealing with something which is important enough to be making a fuss about. Mm. So I'll give, give you an example of what I mean by yeah. that. Uh, on the other side of the scale, on the one side will be things like you, you mentioned about being saved. The, the fact that we are born again of the Holy Spirit in Christ Jesus it, it constitutes the start of our salvation, mm. the most important starting point of salvation, is you know really, really important. Mm. But baby baptism, it, it might appear important to some, but it doesn't rank up there. Yeah. It has implications. That what we do with our infants and so on have some some quite big implications, mm. but it's relatively less. Another one is like speaking in tongues. Mm. So folk will get very exercised about speaking in tongues or not speaking in tongues and when should one and what does it mean and so on. Okay, it's part of the Christian doctrine. It's part of the scriptural revelation, but it doesn't rank up there as a non-negotiable. I should be allowing people to have... Uh, flexibility to to think differently to me on that mm. so so when would you have to step forward and expose someone if when they said i don't believe in jesus or yeah or, or it ranks again it, you know the example that i use and the thing that triggered my whole article is what uh, a guy called andy stanley who's uh, mm. i think he's the pastor of probably the largest church in America at the moment, mm. I think. And he's made this statement about, you know, we should basically ditch the Old Testament, mm. you know, we don't need it. Yeah. Just like a, a, a prologue to the to the life of Christ, therefore, we don't need it. Hmm. Well, you know, is that a non-negotiable? Well, yeah, it is actually something that is big enough for us to really exercise ourselves about, because it's then saying, well, let's take two-thirds of the Bible that we regard as, as Holy Writ, as we regard for the last 2,000 years, has mm. been the inspired Word of God, written Word of God, and just ditch it. And your statement of belief would probably have, I believe, in the Bible being the source. Yes, of, the writings yeah. of both Old and New Testament yeah. as being inspired of God, you see. Yeah. So it, it does become quite a foundational issue. Okay, so people have been asking you about this, and this is what brought this all on. Well, they haven't... Funnily enough, he doesn't have that much impact in in my sort of circle. Mm. But uh, he's been occupying a lot of press on this. Okay. So people are exposed to this. You know, yeah. if they, they, so they're seeing the stuff on YouTube and they're seeing the articles written yeah. and things of that nature. So there's a bit of a buzz around on it. So I thought that maybe it's something that needs to be addressed. Not so much what he's saying. I might get to that one day. Mm. I might not because other folk have waded, waded in already. Mm. Um, but but how we should deal with that mm. for me is the important thing because over the years as a pastor, I, I get saddened yeah. by the, the way we deal with differences in the body of Christ. You know, yeah. There's often so much anger and yeah. lack of common courtesy often. Often yeah. we'll, we'd grant the man across the road common courtesy and then we go and flay our brother alive you know? yeah that's true and they're supposed to be family you know and we walk away yeah, so quickly so, as well so really to those kind of thoughts that, that prompted me to to write about this topic 
I hope you realize that Andy Stanley has got one of the most successful Christian podcasts out there and you've just absolutely shot ourselves in the foot with your your comments. But oh well. <laughs> <laughs> well, toughies. <laughs> <laughs> you believe what you believe. I sure do. The other thing I wanted to ask you about is question four, which is yep. can I reasonably discern his heart attitude and motivation? And I've got two thoughts on that. The first one is, what? I hardly can, I can hardly determine my own. You know, I sort of think to myself, okay, you know, why am I thinking this? What is my motivation behind this? Maybe I'm getting something out of this that I didn't necessarily see. And now you want me to do it with someone else. Okay, so... um as I read books and articles and listen to sermons and people speaking and YouTube clips and so on, it, it's become relevant, relatively easy for me to, to start to understand something about where their heart's at. Mm. It comes through quite clearly. You know, they're hypercritical, harsh in the choice of their words, um, bombastic, mm. um, you know, my way or the highway mm. there is no other way um, there's no room for any kind of discussion here and should have known better and then some clear indicators like the Bible clearly says okay. which no normally signals well it doesn't actually otherwise yeah. you wouldn't be having to say that Yeah. Um, so it ca as compared with the other authors and speakers that you can hear quite humble. obviously they're humble they're mm. gentle mm. they're not trying to destroy they're actually trying to bring balance or, or build up, There's a, the, 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 the hot attitude comes through. Okay. The motivation of why the people are saying they or writing what they are is, is the more difficult one. Mm. And I want to give you an example. So Professor Len Sweet, a very prolific author mm. in the Christian world, he's the man who wrote the forward to my book, yeah. uh, Truth is the Word. Yeah. He wrote a, a book a, a long time ago. It's about 27 years ago, I think it was. It was called Quantum Spirituality. <laughs> Boy, did he get nailed by the heresy hunters on that. <laughs> now, to the extent that eventually, you know, decades later, he felt the need to actually bring out an article saying, look here, you, you need to understand that, uh, you know, you got it all wrong. This is actually what I was meaning. Sure, wow. 27 years ago, uh, this whole quantum physics thing was, was coming through into the public consciousness. And so he thought, how do I present spiritual truths in a way that those kind of folk, the scientifically minded and also the sort of the, the spiritual people, but who aren't Christians, mm. what kind of language are they speaking? Yeah. So. He he wrote and used words that resonated with with folk, even folk that were in the New Age movement and things uh. of that nature. But it was an attempt to actually bring truth into the situation. Yeah, and he got accused, I mean, horribly but from many many people, of being New Age. He had lost <laughs> the plot. He had gone out to the dark side, <laughs> you know, um, and all that, which mm. was a bun bunch of nonsense. If that people had taken the trouble to actually find out what he was trying to achieve. Mm then I'm sure unless they were malicious, they, they, wouldn't have, they wouldn't have become so critical. But now you have probably read up quite a bit on him and read quite a few of his books and that sort of thing, So which, which helps you understand that he, he wasn't being New Agey or whatever himself. Well, again, if the thing is worth making a f song and dance about it, mm. 
and worth going to press to criticize, then it's worth researching mm. properly and yeah. finding out. Because part of your question, um, still on your question four, is you say, do I have the right to evaluate their intentions or motives unless I'm certain that I'm reading them correctly? Okay. And now, do you mean reading their their hearts and intentions correctly, or do you, do you mean literally reading them correctly and must go and look up on the internet and find all their books and you know have go through absolutely exhaustive measures to? Oh, okay. Now, I mean reading them correctly, as in it's a euphemism for understanding what they're saying. Okay, which might involve going through some of their other works and. It, it might. Yeah. But it, 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 again, the question is, look, if this is important enough yeah. to me to yeah. warn people about, then surely it's important enough to me to research properly. Mm. As I need to do enough to be able to, in good conscience, in good faith, be able to say, I, I, I think I understand what this man or woman actually is saying, therefore I can respond. Mm. And if I'm unsure... I, I've got another recourse, you know, nowadays. It's just a question of banging off an email mm. and saying, hey, uh, Andy, mm. you don't know me, but um, uh, I've re heard your stuff and it's causing me some grief mm. and I uh, need to understand this, this, and this. Would you care to respond? Mm. Chances are he might not care to respond, but at least I've then tried to okay. engage him on that. So, and I don't mean to sound like I'm bullying a 93-year-old, but... <laughs> If this is important enough to be in part of your, um, your what did you call them, your primary belief structure, then why haven't you written to him? Well, if, if, I actually and said I challenge you to. <laughs> <laughs> no, the point is, uh, I end my article by saying, don't ask me to say what I think about what Andy Stanley has uh, has preached on because I have not yet have been able to check the five boxes. But are you going to try and check the five boxes? Well, I'm weighing it up. I'm trying. And one of the, those boxes just how important is it? Mm. Do okay. I really understand what he's saying? I've got to put myself through the same criteria that I'm su suggesting other people. Do. Yeah, yeah. And then it comes to the circle of, of influence, the circle of responsibility. I've then mm. got to say, is this really uh, affecting the people that uh, either listen to me or read my stuff or hear my sermons. Because if it isn't, then why am I getting involved in it? Let other people deal with it. Mm. You know, they're, they're enough fish to fry then to go and look for yeah, but somebody else's to, fish. But they might be listening to you and they want to know what your opinion is. They don't care about other people's fish. Yeah, fine. But then you know, I've got a challenge back. <laughs> Counter challenge. challenge. If, the, if this is of great enough concern to any of my listeners or readers, please let them tell me. Yeah, and then drop me a note, make and, a comment, and then you'll do it. And and I'll I'll have a look. But you know, for me, the jury's still out. I haven't decided yeah. whether I'm going to or not going to. Yeah. I, I want to give you uh, again an example of what happened early in my ministry. So we're going back. Say ministries is the full-time ministry going mm. back 30 years. Mm. Somebody came to me uh, all over Twitter after a Sunday service and says, you know, Satanism is rife in our schools. When are you going to preach about it? Mm. So I took the challenge. I went home and I started thinking about that. Then I started making a list 
of all the issues that are plaguing our society. Mm. I think we've spoken about this before, actually. Yeah, we might have. Yeah. Because it was an awfully long list. And yeah. then I, I kind of said, well, you know what? Yeah. I've either got to prioritize this list or, 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 or leave it for the sake of proclaiming truth. And if there's enough truth proclaimed, then people can actually evaluate these negative things against the truth. Mm. So there's choices to be made. I might, I might well feel the need to write something about unhitching ourselves from the Old Testament. Mm. I might well, mm. but I just haven't decided yet. Okay, so even if it is contrary to one of your primary beliefs, it doesn't mean you have to necessarily expose that it depends on those things you've just mentioned. Yep. Okay. That's how I understand it, yeah. Okay. Um, obviously, I love a practical question. Yep. So, for me, exposing something in someone else has a very negative connotation. Mm-hmm. So, it's like, um, you're fake or you're lying or you're, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that, that, that sort of thing. And speaking the truth often also has that sort of association, you know, people so often go, you know, I'm telling you this because I love you. Listen here, brother, let me pull you aside. Listen, sister, <laughs> let me just take you aside. You know, I've, I've got it heavy on my heart that you're the most awful person in the universe. <laughs> <laughs> and I know that you are supposed to, even if you're, say, exposing someone, it's supposed to be in, with love in your heart and okay. not revenge or hatred or whatever. So how do you get about doing that? Now, uh, if you want an example, let's say that you you decide now you're going to try and, um, you know, get hold of, of Andy Stanley and, and find out what's going on here. How how do you go about sort of saying, listen, mate, I think you're talking bollocks without actually hurting his feelings or, or being uh, all right. not a great Christian? Okay, so two two parts of this. The first one is an understanding of what it means to say we need to speak the truth in love. Yeah. Now that doesn't mean, and I think I've said this before in podcasts, it doesn't mean saying, brother, I love you, therefore I'm going to smack the, yeah. you left, right and center until your cheeks sting. Mm, but a lot of people think it does. Yeah, but it doesn't, of course. Yeah. It, means, it means I've got to be motivated by a genuine love for the person and for the people that need to understand what's going on. Mm. And I need to find as loving a means as I can of presenting that. Mm. Okay, so that leads to the second part of it. Mm. Um, There's a difference between dealing with what somebody is writing or saying and dealing with what they are in in themselves. Okay, judge the action, not the person. Yeah, so I think most of the time, with all, I think it's happened to me maybe only two or three times that the opposite applies, but most of the time when I feel I've had to take a stand on something, it's about the something, not the someone. Mm. Okay. And there, there are a couple of rare exceptions to that. Yeah. So then it isn't casting aspersions on the person's character or Christian yeah. status or anything of that nature. Yeah. It's saying, look, what this man is teaching. Sometimes you have to use the person's name because yeah. otherwise people don't understand the context of yeah, what you you're critiquing. Yeah, you can't just allude. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't exist in a vacuum. Yeah. So, but then the critique is about what is being said or written. Mm. You know, if you look at the scripture, there's one instant 
where Paul, for instance, does the opposite. Now, the man's name is Elamus, false prophet, mm. also known as Bar Jesus. Mm. And he walks up to this man, looks him in the eye and said, you son of the devil. <laughs> Ouchies. Yeah. Um, but of course, the man was. <laughs> <laughs> but still, no one wants to hear that. <laughs> so that, that's pretty rare. though. Yeah. And, and in scripture, you do have a couple of instances of that. So for me, the first prize is always, if one has to criticize it, criticize what the person is saying or writing. Mm without casting aspersions on their value and worth within the kingdom of God. That's the important thing. Okay, so Anna, let's take it into the workplace where people may or may not belong to a church family, your church family, whatever belief they, they may be of. Yeah. And let's take a very common one, which is the Econ Wars. And there's one person that keeps on going, it's too cold or hot or whatever, and changes the aircon and everyone else suffers. And all anyone wants to do is take them aside and go, it's not all about you. There's 50 people here. How do you, how do, you do that? How do you expose that person's selfishness without making them feel like a selfish person? When it really, it isn't so much the act. It's what's behind it. It's their attitude. Okay. So again, there's another principle. And the principle is, the, the the circle of effect that something has determines the circle of exposure to the problem. Mm. Uh, I need to explain what I mean by that. So, let's say you're in an office situation, mm. and you, you know it's you you're battling with this thing. Mm. Others might be talking about it as well, but basically you're battling. Mm. It's, you know, it's irritating you, getting hot, cold, etc. Mm. Well, then the the right path is to go to that person. Mm. Uh, not to call a meeting, <laughs> so, but to go to that person and say, you know what, uh, this is really really getting up my nose and mm. it's affecting the way I work, etc. And and I really want to ask you, please be considerate for how I feel about it and how others feel about it as well, because if I'm suffering, a lot of others must be as well. So let's find a compromise. Let's find a way around this. And mm. there's always a way around to these practical things. Mm. I mean, you, you know, using the aircon wars thing, it's one of the favorite jokes about what happens in a church service. Because you have no idea how people are always screaming and squealing about, I'm too cold, I'm yeah. too hot. Who put <laughs> exactly. the aircon on, put it's the fans on, put issue. the off. <laughs> it's a huge issue. And you know what my response normally is? Mm. I don't think our auditorium is anything like even 80% full. Why don't you just go and sit somewhere else? Yeah. No, I sit here. <laughs> okay, then put a jersey on. I take a jersey off. But, you know, this is not a federal issue. Mm, yeah, except you can't really go and squat in your boss's office if they've got a better temperature. No, but I think those are, you know, you try and solve them. However, if something is affecting a whole group, and again, I want to maybe use the analogy of, of a church-based issue. It's mm. easy to explain. Mm. Okay, so somebody is doing something that uh, is affecting themselves only and say you. Mm. Then it's one-on-one, -on -one, you deal with them. And again, Jesus was clear. If your brother offends you, go to him and point at mm. his fault. Mm. If he doesn't listen, take a witness. If yeah. he doesn't listen to you, then take it to the, make it public, take yeah. it to the church. However, if I'm a church leader... So it's affecting and, the whole uh, church. And it's affecting the whole church, then it has to be done at a church-wide level. Mm. 
And Paul teaches that as well. You know, he talked about this immoral brother who needed to actually be kind of excommunicated mm. for a season mm. publicly. Because mm. what he was doing was just poisoning the whole congregation, calling a fer- causing a furore in the, yeah. in the congregation. Yeah. So, you know, again, uh, common sense kind of guides us in those kind of things. Yeah. And, and I suppose just trying to find love for the person and understanding and that sort of thing. Well, that's all about the thing about checking our own hearts then, because yeah. otherwise we will come across hypercritical, and then, of course, the other person will likely get onto their high horse anyway. And turn it onto freezing or boiling. Uh, yeah, or whatever, <laughs> just because they get t- totally ticked off. You know? <laughs> and then well, it'll, be a, it'll be who can get to the air, condi- air con control first. <laughs> <laughs> work exercises. <laughs> yeah. Not much work we've done, but a lot of people dashing to the remote. <laughs> you know, you laugh, but it really is an issue in a lot of places. <laughs> like you yeah. say, even in church. Even in churches, yeah, absolutely. Um, well, may your services always be the right temperature. And again, if anyone wants to take you up on my little challenge... Please let us know. I would be delighted. (laughs) (laughs) Otherwise, I'll speak to you soon. Thanks. Goodbye. Bye. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone. Thank you for listening to Truth Talks from Truth is the Word Ministry. If you'd like to share your views, read up on related topics, or purchase one of Dr. Pepler's books, please visit his blog on truthistheword.com. And remember, truth is the word.